0: And we're back with the preakness of prognostication. It's Astrosplained's Senate Smackdown! Part two. Hello and welcome to Astrosplained, where we use Indian astrology to examine the lives of the famous and the infamous. I'm Charles, your friendly neighborhood astrologer and... Back again with a vengeance is my dear friend, Travis. Hi Travis, how are you?
1: I'm fine. Uh, What are we up to today?
0: So today I thought that we would continue our whirlwind tour of toss up Senate races. This time looking at Maine, Kansas and South Carolina. What do you think? I, I cannot wait. Let's see, why don't we start with Kansas? Forget the Hippocratic Oath. When it comes to the Kansas Senate race, these doctors vow to do as much harm as possible. First up, the Democrat. This anesthesiologist plans to knock her competition out cold. From Galveston, Texas, it's Barbara Bollier. And the Republican. This OBGYN plans to deliver a stinging defeat to his Democratic rival. From Eldorado, Kansas, it's Roger Marshall.
1: This was an interesting race because uh there was a very competitive primary Republican primary between Chris Kobach and uh Roger Marshall. And Roger Marshall ended up winning the, winning this primary, which was kind of a relief for the Republicans because Chris Kobach is kind of an, ex, an extreme character and he lost uh, the gubernatorial race in 2018. Uh, Roger Marshall, in theory, is more moderate. <laughs> in actuality, maybe not. He is running against Barbara, and let me, let me make sure I get this right, Barbara Bollier. And she's a Democrat. She is, up until 2018, she was a Republican. Uh, She's another one of these physician turned candidates, right? Uh, She worked, she had a residency at Baylor University uh, just as her father did before her. Uh, She worked as an anesthesiologist and she joined her father's medical practice after medical school. She retired from medicine in 1999 and was appointed to the state legislature in 2010. She's married and she has two kids. And that's Barbara Bollier. Uh, Roger Marshall is is he's also a doctor, isn't he, Charles? Why don't you tell us some, what you, what you found out about him?
0: I don't know where to begin with Roger Marshall. I could talk for hours about Roger Marshall, but don't worry, I won't. Um, but just a few quick biographical facts about him. Uh, he is an OBGYN. He started out <clears throat> as the only OBGYN in town uh, and worked essentially by himself, and then ultimately his practice grew to over 300 people. That's a relevant fact, which we'll see a little bit later when we get to his birth chart. He is extremely conservative, uh, and he does this This thing that some of you might have seen Marco Rubio do of like sort of cherry picking Bible verses and doing this to further his cruel and inhumane brand of conservatism. So for example, uh, when Congress was uh, debating a piece of anti-poverty legislation, he, quoting the good book, reminds all of us that Jesus said the poor would be with us always. And then later, uh, when talking about his views of the Affordable Care Act, he said, And I quote, I think just morally, spiritually, socially, some people just don't want health care. The Medicaid population, which is on a free credit card as a group, do probably the least preventative medicine and taking care of themselves and eating healthy and exercising. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying socially, that's where they are, close quote. And to wrap up, I should just say two things. One, if Roger Marshall is elected, He's going to be the second senator um, who is trained as a doctor and who famously got into a fight with his neighbor. Uh, the first, of course, being Rand Paul uh, and then Roger Marshall will be the second one uh, back in like the late 2000s, I think. He, there was some sort of altercation with his neighbor and he apparently tried to hit slash run over his neighbor with his van. It wasn't pretty. That's Roger Marshall. Oh, 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 and one thing, um, and this was a little fact that I thought was very helpful when it was time to rectify this chart. Back in 2018, he was actually in a, in a train crash. Um, he survived. I don't think that there were any fatalities. And he provided um, emergency CPR to some people who were injured. A train yeah,
1: are you kidding me? But I mean, do, do people take trains in Kansas? I don't know what they do in Kansas. <laughs> Click their ruby slippers together.
0: I was waiting which of us friends of Dorothy was going to make the Wizard of Oz <laughs> reference first.
1: All right, so I guess he's going to win, right?
0: Well, oh yeah, I guess it's. <laughs> I guess I should say something <laughs> about their charge, shouldn't I? Kind of why we're here. Um, I, uh, folks, I'm sorry. I am not myself today. Okay. So let's start with Barbara Beaulieu, born January 13th, 1958. We're going to say she was born at 1218 in the afternoon. Uh, and this gives us an ascendant in Ashwini. And then a moon, Jupiter, and Rahu in the nakshatra of Swati. So let's say a little bit about Ashwini people. Uh, A couple of traits about Ashwini people I see very strongly in um, Barbara Boulier. One is social welfare projects and volunteerism. She volunteered as a um, tutor for public school students. With Ashwini people, we see respect for elders playing a, a big part in the person's life. She volunteers as a respite caregiver. And also, I think it's interesting that she, one, became a doctor, which is a fairly common Ashwini trait. I mean, Ashw- the, the deities that rule Ashwini are themselves doctors, they're the physicians to the gods. But apart from that, she's also, she joined her father's medical practice, right? So again, we see um, this respect for elders and attachment to to people older than she is. Another Ashwini trait, when it comes to their children, Ashwini people are known to live far away from them. Bollier's daughter lives in Australia. And Ashwini people... It is said that Ashwini people's children can be extraordinary, that there's usually something unusual or extraordinary about their children. And Barbara Bollier's son is a 14-time NCAA All-American swimmer. Good for him. And I think this... Is another check mark in the Ashwini column, so I feel good about um, giving her an Ashwini ascendant. And then, if we look at Swati, which is important because Moon, Jupiter, and Rahu are there. A couple of things we see: the, the the symbol for Swati is a blade of grass swaying in the wind, and so. And, and for those of you who have listened to my Edgar Allan Poe episode, which, P.S., if you haven't, you really should, um, will have heard me talk in more depth about Swati and Swati people. But two things about Swati people that I think are, apply here. One, Swati people aren't married to one way of doing things, one way of being in the world, right? And so with Bollier, what do we have? We've got a physician, who later becomes a politician. We've got a Republican who later becomes a Democrat, right? You know, the same sort of thing that we saw with Edgar Allan Poe, right? Whom we know today as a writer, but who actually was a bunch of different things throughout his life. A clerk, uh, he was in the army, you know, several things. And then lastly about Swati. Swati people are said to be philosophical. And so perhaps unsurprisingly, Barbara Bollier taught a bioethics course at I believe the University of Kansas. So with all this in mind, I'm feeling pretty good about this twelve eighteen birth time. The question becomes, does she have what it takes to beat Roger Marshall? So right now she's in Ketu Rahu. I should say, she if, if twelve eighteen as the birth time means that she, right now she is in Ketu. Rahu and will still be in Ketu-Rahu at the time of the election. Now, if this time is a little bit off, her Ketu-Rahu period might actually end just before election day, in which case on election day, she'll be in Ketu-Jupiter. So I'll say sort of what it looks like for Ketu-Rahu and Ketu-Jupiter. And then we'll talk about our dear friend, Roger Marshall. One good thing about Bollier's chart uh, is that she's got a couple of Dharma-Karma Adipati Yogas here, and they're both active now. The first one is made up of Mars and Saturn. They are together in the 8th house, and they each own the right kind of houses. So Mars owns Beaulieu's first house because she's got Aries in her Ascendant, and Saturn owns her 10th house because she has Capricorn in her 10th house, right? And it's active because she's in her Ketutasha and Ketu is in her first house. And since her first house is owned by Mars, Mars and the yoga, yogas that Mars forms are awake. So that's something. The second uh, Dharma, Karma, Adipati yoga we have here is made up of Jupiter and the Moon. Jupiter owns Bullier's ninth house because she has Sagittarius in her ninth house and the Moon owns. The fourth house, because she's got Cancer in the fourth house, and the Moon owns Cancer, and so having those two planets together in the same house creates a dharma karma adipati yoga, and it's active because they are in the seventh house, which is aspected by Ketu, which is in the first house. However, if we turn to the Amsha charts, so you know she's in her Ketu dasha right now, in the Navamsha, which is sort of the it's 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 the preeminent um Amsha chart. She's got Ketu in a bad house, so that's not great. Although Rahu and Jupiter are well placed in the Navamsha, so that but it doesn't quite balance out. In the career Amsha, uh, she's got Ketu again in a bad house, and not just in a bad house, but forming a really bad yoga. And lastly, back in the birth chart, Ketu, the Dasha Lord, is in the Nakshatra of Parani, and Rahu her current Bukti Lord, and Jupiter, the planet that will possibly be her Bukti Lord on election day, are both in the nakshatra of Swati. Parani and Swati are 14 nakshatras away from each other, which puts them in a Pratyak relationship. And Pratyak means to turn away from a goal. It also means pain or discomfort. So overall, we would expect that Ketu-Rahu and Ketu-Jupiter would not be great periods of her life. But this is all relative, right? So why don't we take a look at Roger Marshall's chart and see what he's got going on. Roger Marshall was born on August 9th, 1960, and we're going to say he was born at 12.08 a.m., so eight minutes after midnight. This puts us in the sign of Taurus, in the nakshatra of Kritika. And I think it would be helpful to just quickly run through some Kritika traits. Um, And at the end of it, I think you'll see that there's a lot of Kritika going on in Roger Marshall. Uh, Kritika people are associated with science and scientific learning. Roger Marshall studied biochemistry in college, and he currently sits on the House Committee on Science, Space and Technology. Kentucky people are known for an ends justify the means approach, they're known for upsetting the status quo. And Roger Marshall was a part of the great Republican skiff invasion of a few months ago. So a skiff is a a sensitive compartmentalized information facility. It's an area in which people can discuss and handle classified intelligence. So one day... um, A House committee was holding a meeting inside one of these facilities. The Republicans decided to pull a really wackadoodle PR stunt and just storm this facility that they claimed they were not admitted to, although it was a House committee hearing the Republicans and Democrats on that committee were more than welcome to go there. Uh, But the Republicans just stormed the facility with their cell phones, which is a huge no-no. Anyhow, Roger Marshall was a part of that another critical trait is conflict and ambition we talked about the altercation he had with his neighbor hong kong ah and um and i mentioned very briefly how his obgyn practice started out with just him and over the course of several years grew to a practice of over 300 people and in an interview a friend of his talked about how especially in the early days he ran himself ragged building up this practice. Moving on, mass disasters, injuries to the face or eyes and mishaps to the body are are associated with kritika. And then with Roger Marshall, as I mentioned, he was in a uh, train crash uh, back in 2018. Kritika people are associated with explosions sometimes literal, like kaboom explosions, but also explosions of emotion and they're associated with just sort of with heat in general. Can be um, literal heat, can be emotional. And we see, I would say both sides of this coin with Roger Marshall, you know, we, we talked about the, the, the altercation with his neighbor, but also there's this weird quotation that he gave in an interview um, some time ago about his childhood in which he talked about how when he was growing up, his father taught them, taught him and his brother how if they were ever um, hit by a bully, they needed to hit back. Like it was expected that they would fight back. Um, and so he was raised to be one of these tough guys. And here's where the literal heat comes in. His father took them shooting and he took them to Help fight fires. So we've got literal heat in the sense of fighting fires as a child, and we've got metaphorical heat in the sense of explosions of emotions. Now, do we think he's going to beat Barbara Bollier? He is in his Venus Sun period right now. Um, oh, this is another one where... We're sort of right on the cusp. He's on Venus Sun. A 12 birth time means he starts Venus Moon on November 3rd. So let's look at Venus Sun, let's look at Venus Moon, and then we'll make some predictions.
1: Can I say something while you're doing that? Please do. So the, the train crash was in Virginia, actually. He was in Virginia when he was on the train. It was an Amtrak train.
0: Oh, dear. Well. Thank you for that. I mean, I guess that makes more sense than his being on a train in Kansas. But anyhow, let's uh, let's make some predictions. So he's in his Venus sun, Bhukti, right now, right? Um, his Venus is in the fourth house in the Nakshatra of Makkah. Makkah, you will remember from several episodes where I have said this, is associated with running for or holding political office. And so in this dasha, we should expect bhaka like running for or holding public office to be um, a big part of his life. On top of this, he's got a couple of dharmakarma adipati yogas at work right now, uh, kind of like Barbara Bollier. Um, These are both good. Unlike Barbara Bollier. Um, who had that Pratyak relationship between the Nakshatra of her Dasha Lord and the Nakshatra of her bhukti Lord, Pratyak being turning away from a goal. The relationship between Venus's Nakshatra Maka and the Sun's Nakshatra of Ashlesha is very good. The name of this relationship actually translates to uh, best friend. Uh, So this is a very, we should expect this to be a very auspicious period for Roger Marshall three caveats though. The first, Roger Marshall's in his Sare Sati right now. Sare Sati, you'll recall, occurs when Transit Saturn uh, is too close to your natal moon, when Transit Saturn is either in the sign before, the sign of, or the sign just after your natal moon. When Marshall was born, the moon was in Aquarius. Right now, Transit Saturn is in Capricorn, just before Aquarius. So Roger Marshall's going to be in this Sati period for about the next seven years. And Sati in general can be a time of challenges. I am not particularly worried about this Sati because he's not in a Venus... Excuse me, he's not in a Saturn or Moon, Dasha or Bukti. Number two... In the career Amsha, Venus and Sun, his Dasha and Bukti lords respectively, are in a bad house. And the Sun, the bhukti lord, is debilitated. Not great. Although, again, remember that Amshas are subservient to the trends that we see in the birth chart. And then number three, whereas uh, the Nakshatra relationship between Venus's Nakshatra and the Sun's Uh, is very positive translates to best friend when he moves into Venus Moon uh, the nakshatra relationship changes it it goes from best friend which is where he is right now to killer Uh, the word for this is VADHA for comparison's sake Robert Kennedy was in a VADHA period when he was shot and killed if memory serves still he's not in Venus Moon right now and Overall, I think he's got a lot of good going for him in this chart, uh, caveats aside. And so for this reason, I am giving this race to the Republicans.
1: Not surprising. Okay. Uh, Should we do South Carolina next?
0: Let's do it. First up, the Republican. His friends call him Lindsay. You can call him Senator Kickass. Wait, What is that control room? A typo. My apologies, ladies and gentlemen. His friends call him Lindsay. You can call him Senator Kiss Ass From Central South Carolina. It's Trump sycophant Lindsey Graham. And the challenger by the time he's finished with his opponent they'll change the name of his hometown from orangeburg to black and blueburg from orangeburg south carolina it's jamie harrison okay
1: so we have republican lindsey graham um he's the incumbent He's going to be going against Democrat Jamie Harrison in this race. So I think Lindsey Graham is a pretty well-known public figure. Um, he was born in the town of Central South Carolina. I find this really odd. His father's name was Florence.
0: <laughs> I was hoping to say that. Yes, it was.
1: <laughs> and, you know, I mean, these are I guess these were names that were previously assigned traditionally to men and now, you know, norms have changed and now (laughs) Lindsay is mostly a girl's name and Florence is certainly a woman's name, right?
0: Um, Well, was Florence ever a man's name?
1: (laughs) I don't know, I mean, I'm I'm just wondering, maybe it was, uh, you know, years ago, who knows? I've, I've never cool. heard of, a, of a, a Florence a male Florence.
0: Neither so, my, Although I, you know I had not heard of a man named Claire until we talked about Steve Danes' father. So you know we I'm learning all kinds of stuff. <laughs> looking at these races?
1: Okay, so Florence ran a bar slash pool hall slash restaurants slash liquor store. <laughs> only only in South Carolina, right?
0: That's um, right.
1: All right. There was there was an age difference between his parents. Uh, I guess his dad was like twenty years older than his mom. Yep. And they died. This is so sad. They died around the same time in the late seventies, both of them. Um, and Lindsay was only twenty-one years old. His sister was thirteen. Um, and I guess he was pretty close to his sister because after this, he, he chose to go to college um, to be near his sister and take care of her. And um, I have this, this is an interesting quote from his sister. She said that he's kind of like a brother, a father and a mother rolled into one. That's very, yeah. that's very, shocking, very shocking. That's not the Lindsey Graham that we publicly see. Um, interesting. He majored in psychology at college. Um, Then after that, he became a lawyer. He uh, served as a JAG attorney, and uh, I guess served in Europe at some point as a prosecutor. Then was uh, elected to the State House in South Carolina very briefly, and then spent uh, about 10 years in the US House of Representatives, and has been a Senator from South Carolina since uh, 2003. I had forgotten that he actually ran for president in 2015 um, in the, in the Republican primary. I completely forgot that. Like I'm, I have, I'm actually can't even visualize him. Like in a, was, was he in a debate?
0: He was, He was in at least one, I think more than one.
1: But he was in like in the, in like the loser candidate debate, right? (laughs) Like the people that, weren't being considered seriously.
0: I had forgotten that they did that.
1: (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Jamie Harrison uh, was born in 1976 in Orangeburg, South Carolina. He was raised by his mother and grandparents and got a scholarship to go to Yale, graduated in 1998 uh, with a degree in political science. And after graduating, he taught for a year at his high school where he graduated. And in 1999, he was appointed Chief Operating Officer of College Summit, which is a nonprofit organization that helps low-income youth find a path to college and career. Then after that, he went to law school and got his JD uh, from Georgetown University Law Center in 2004. And he had a ton of student debt, uh, actually $160,000 in debt, which he paid back by becoming a corporate lobbyist.
0: (laughs) As one does. Uh, As one does.
1: Um, And then in 2013, he became the South Carolina Democratic Party chair. He is married and has two kids. Oh, I should also mention that Lindsey Graham is famously single and has no children. Okay. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, gonna at that. I'm not going to say anymore. more. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that.
0: <laughs> That's very big of you, Travis. I applaud you. <laughs> this, I have to say, perhaps of all of the charts that we're going to talk about and uh, the tour of Toss Up Races, this matchup was probably the hardest for me because they both have a lot of good going for them in their charts, a lot. And then on top of that is the fact that, you know, we're rectifying. It was easier to get a time for Lindsey Graham uh, just because there's more sort of information out there about him. uh, And there's less information for Jamie Harrison, um, whose name is spelled like Jaime. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. Anyhow. But let's get to it. Lindsey Graham was born July 9th, 1955 in Central South Carolina. We're going to say he was born at 4.20, no jokes, a.m. In a couple of days, Lindsey Graham is going to enter the Venus portion of his Ketu Dasha. And he's going to be in Ketu Venus at the time of the election. So we're going to look at Ketu and Venus in his chart to get a sense of what his electoral prospects are. He's got, in the first house, Ketu, Venus, Mercury, and the Sun. And these planets form a lot of very auspicious yogas. And they're all awake because Venus, Sun, and Mercury are in the same house as Ketu, the Dasha Lord. Yoga number one. A beautiful Dharma Karma Adipati yoga formed by Mercury, which owns the fourth house, and Venus, which owns the fifth house. And the reason I say it's so strong is because it forms not just when you count from the Ascendant, but also from the Sun and the Moon. So very strong. Um, We've got the Sun and Mercury in the same house with Mercury owning the first house. This forms a Buddhaditya Yoga. That's swell. And then Mercury by itself is very strong because it is in uh, the first house, which makes it directionally strong. And it's in a sign that Mercury owns, namely Gemini. And so this, this fact gives us a Bhadra Yoga, um, which is highly auspicious. And, and, and like the Dharma Karma Adipati Yoga we just talked about, exists when you count from the Ascendant, the Sun, and the Moon. So this is super, super strong. It's equal in strength, I would say, to the Bhadra Yoga and Tom Steyer's chart, if you remember that from a few episodes ago. So this is all very auspicious and when we look at the amsha charts kitu is in a good house in the navamsha chart he's in a good house in the career amsha so i would say overall things are looking very good for mr graham now before we move on to jamie harrison i should just say very quickly there are rumors regarding Mr. Graham's sexual orientation, rumors which I am not going to attempt to settle in this episode. Um, But I will just say, because he is famously single, one of the reasons that I settled on this 4.20 a.m. birth time is because this time gives us an ascendant and Venus in the Nakshatra of Ardra. You'll remember Ardra from our John Hickenlooper discussion, but there's a feature of the Ardra Nakshatra um, that I did not mention with John Hickenlooper, but which which is very relevant here, and that is Ardra is associated with not having heirs, with not continuing your family line. Uh, And so the fact that we've got his ascendant in Ardra, the fact that Venus, which owns the fifth house, the house of children in Ardra, makes me feel good about this Uh, birth time which gives us the strong Ardra influence and on top of that this 420 birth time puts Saturn in the fifth house which again is the house of children and Saturn himself does not give children so I think with this birth time we have a pretty good sense of why there isn't a Mrs. Graham and why there likely will not be any little, little Lindsay's running around anytime soon all right now let's talk about jamie harrison i wish his name were jaime harrison okay
1: <laughs> i mean but that is the spelling of jamie i mean right i don't like it but it is a recognized spelling of jamie is it it is i've seen other jamies spelled that way
0: okay this is this is like we're having the the Corey with an e discussion all over again i i you know i whatever let's go to the chart Jamie Harrison was born on February 5th, 1976, and we're going to say he was born at 5.09 p.m. It was a little challenging coming up with a birth time for him, just because there's not nearly as much information out there about him as there is about uh, Lindsey Graham. However... One part of Jamie Harrison's biography that I found really useful in trying to land on a birth time was this fact that he got a scholarship, a very substantial scholarship, to study at Yale. The reason this is important is because Jamie Harrison was very poor when he was a kid, and so we want to see in the birth chart something that explains how someone who was very poor in the first years of his life could, at the time he was going off to college, come into a lot of money. So the thing to keep in mind with Jamie Harrison is that Venus is his yogi planet. And the yogi planet is the planet that particularly during its dasha, tries to bring money. It brings prosperity, okay? So a few things. One, this 509 birth time puts Harrison in his Venus dasha when he finds out that he's going to Yale and that he's got this scholarship. Number two, uh, this time puts Libra in Harrison's 4th house and Taurus in Harrison's 11th house. Venus owns Libra and Taurus, and the 4th house is the house of education um, from basic education through uh, the undergraduate level, and the 11th house is the house of gains. So we've got Harrison in his Venus Dasha with the house of education and the house of gains active and this is the dasha of the planet that brings money looking at the amsha charts in the education amsha uh, venus is in a good house in the amsha that looks specifically at large financial gains venus forms a good yoga so there are many indications that despite his very humble beginnings we should see serious money coming his way at the time that he's getting ready to go off to college. And this all works because of this 509 birth time. Um, So we're gonna use 509 PM. And whereas Lindsey Graham had a lot of really positive yogas forming from his ascendant, we have some very nice yogas forming in Jamie Harrison's ninth house. And the ninth house itself is a nice house. It's the ninth, it's the house of spirituality. It's the house of good luck. It's a good house one yoga we've got here is the hamsa yoga we've got jupiter here in pisces which he owns in the ninth house hamsa yoga and it's strong because it it exists not just from the ascendant but also from the moon Uh, it's not as strong as a joe biden hamsa yoga for example because it doesn't also form from the sun but it's still very strong this is a good yoga and then, in addition to the Hamsa Yoga, we've got a Dharma Karma Adipati Yoga formed by Jupiter and the Moon, and and this is the kicker. He has what is called a Gaja Kesari Yoga, um, which is also formed by Jupiter and the Moon. It is a very very powerful, very very positive yoga, and because Harrison is in his Moon right now, the Hamsa yoga is active because Jupiter is in the same house as the moon. The Dharma Karma Adipati yoga is active because the moon helps form that yoga. And the Kesari yoga is active because the moon forms, helps to form the Kesari yoga. So we've got these three kick-butt yogas wide awake right now. If we turn to the Amsha charts, the moon forms a nice yoga in the Navamsha chart. The moon is really exquisite in the career amsha. It's in the Ascendant, in Cancer, so it is in its own house, and it is in that house with Jupiter, who is exalted in um, in Cancer. So this is a lovely career amsha for this part of Jamie Harrison's life. And so, if it sounds as though Lindsey Graham and Jamie Harrison both have really strong charts, particularly for right now. That's because they do. I mean, if we look at the relationship between the nakshatras of Harrison's dasha and Bookie Lord's, we have a a nice relationship. The word for that relationship is kushema It means resting at ease. Um, that's good. Uh, the Dashan Bhukti Lord Nakshatra relationship for Lindsey Graham uh, is a word that translates to prospers, turns out well. With Lindsey Graham, we've got the Dharma Karma Adipati Yogas as well as a strong Padra Yoga. Of the Padra Yoga, it is said. The one with Padra Yoga will be gifted with long life and keen intellect, he will be clean, he will be praised by the learned, he will lead men, he will be very rich, he will be clever in addressing an assembly. So not bad. On the other hand, with Jamie Harrison, we've got a Hamsa Yoga, and of the Hamsa Yoga it is said. That the person with Hamsa Yoga will be a king extolled by the good. He will possess a beautiful body, eat sumptuous food, and be of a righteous disposition. So, again, not bad. So for me, it really comes down to two factors. One, as strong as Lindsey Graham's chart is, he is, at this moment, in his Sare Sati period. Uh, he was born with the Moon in Aquarius right now. Saturn is in Capricorn. So for the next seven years or so, he will be in this uh, Sare Sati period, which as we have said before, uh, can bring challenges. Now he's not in a Saturn Dasha. He's not in a Saturn Bukti right now. But again, we are... We're looking for whatever differences we can find between these two very strong charts. And one thing working against Graham is the fact that he is in Sarisati. And then with Harrison, there is no Sarisati. And he also has this beautiful Gajakesari yoga, of which it is said, one born in Gajakesari yoga will be splendorous, wealthy intelligent endowed with many laudable virtues and will please the king not to mention the fact that on election day harrison's dasha lord the moon will be transiting taurus her sign of exaltation and so and with the following caveats one i had to rectify both of these charts and did not have as much information as i would have liked about jamie harrison and two I'm well aware that South Carolina is a very conservative state. I feel as though I have to call this race for the Democrats. It just seems to me that, in spite of everything, Jamie Harrison is somehow going to pull this one out. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to come down to the wire, but in the end, I believe this is going to result in a pickup for the Democrats.
1: Wow. I mean, I will say the polling has been close there. Yes.
0: So it wouldn't,
1: it wouldn't defy reason, um, but it just would be surprising, wouldn't
0: it? It would be very surprising.
1: Okay. So I know we haven't done this with the, we haven't done this with the other races. We haven't even talked about the polls. But I'll, I'll just say, since this is such a shocker, the last three polls were very close between um, Harrison and Graham. August 4th, Graham was only one point ahead. August 6th, uh, Quinnipiac University, they were dead even at 44% each. And then the most recent one that came out August 11th from public policy polling uh, had Graham ahead by three points. Okay. So it's possible.
0: I mean, and and thank you for that because I I try to stay away from polling information because I don't want it to bias my my readings of these charts um, so it's nice to know that the the polling suggests that this actually is a close race and that Harrison might actually be able to, to pull this off
1: okay well as thrilling as that was I think we've saved the best for last uh, we're going to talk about Maine now
0: first up the incumbent this senator has never missed a vote and she never misses a chance to kick electoral butt from caribou maine it's susan collins and the challenger this democrat is so tough her husband took her last name from rhode island via Freeport, it's Sarah Gideon!
1: This race is so important to me. I'm going to be honest here. I'm not a fan of Susan Collins, who is the Republican incumbent uh, senator from the state of Maine. She's running against Sarah Gideon, Democrat. So what I'm going to do here is we're going to talk about Susan Collins first. I have done research, thorough extensive research on Susan Collins. Um, There's a ton of political profiles on the web about her. So I'm gonna just tell you some of the traits that are recurring in these, these articles. She uses her votes in Congress as theater to claim a moderate lane, but really she just wants to be at the center of attention. She is talented and she's hardworking. She's actually never missed a vote in Congress. She's a difficult boss. She's very hard on her staff. She's very stubborn. She's extremely petty and thin-skinned, self-centered. She ignores criticism. She's inaccessible, especially to those who might criticize her. And she cares a lot about her parents' opinion of how she does her job. Her parents? Uh, Her parents, yes. And, and let me explain that. She comes from a political family. So both of her parents served separate, separate terms as mayors of the town of Caribou. And her father also served several terms in the main legislature. Her uncle served in the main legislature and was a justice on the main Supreme Court. She's one of six children. Uh, one of her brothers went to jail on drug charges, which is not uncommon for political families.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who among us doesn't have a sibling in jail for drug charges.
1: Talking about like how she's very disciplined and hardworking and during her senior year of high school, she served at, um, in the US Senate and this pro I don't know, but I didn't even know this program existed. It's called the. US Senate Youth Program. And uh, so I guess she got to work with, a, with her, a, a senator and it was actually happened to be her home state senator from Maine at that time, which is Republican Margaret Chase Smith, whose seat she now occupies. Out of college, she worked first for a, a senator from Maine, William Cohen, and then the governor of Maine, John McGernon. In 1994, she won the Republican nomination for governor of Maine, but she lost the general election. But then uh, when Senator William Cohen from Maine resigned the Senate to become Secretary of Defense for Clinton, she received his endorsement to become the next Senator from Maine and she won that seat in 1996. She's been there ever since. Uh, There's a lot more we could say about her, but, but we're gonna just pause for a moment and look at Sarah Gideon. And this woman, I really don't know. I mean, I, I tried to look for information about her, but there's not much out there. She, is, she was the Speaker of the House in, in the, for the state of Maine. The only other thing we know about her is, is as Speaker, she was very instrumental in enacting in progressive le- legislation regarding abortion access and environmental justice, which was no small feat considering that uh, she served partially under a very conservative governor Uh, Paula Page, and I guess more recently under Janet Mills, Democrat Janet Mills. Uh, But she sounds like she's been an advocate for for some progressive policies in Maine. So she's had success despite the odds. Um, That's Sarah Gideon. So who is, I'm dying to know who is going to win this race, Charles.
0: Before we make any predictions, I would just like to say one thing. Democrats have to stop furthering this narrative that Republicans are better on crime and defense. In addition to its simply not being true, I would argue that this narrative has done irreparable harm to our republic. Susan Collins might not be senator today had Bill Clinton not named her predecessor, Republican William Cohen, to be his defense secretary. Barack Obama named Republican James Comey to be FBI Director, and he almost single-handedly torpedoed Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. Barack Obama kept Republican Robert Mueller on as FBI Director, even though his 10-year term had expired, which helped position Mueller to later head up the Russia investigation, which he blew. Collusion is real, it happened, and because we relied on a dried up old money Republican to helm that investigation, Trump never had to testify under oath, and most of us don't even know just how compromised Trump's 2016 campaign was. So Democrats, pretty please, stop it. Now, let's talk astrology. Susan Collins was born on December 7th, 1952, and we're going to say she was born at 7.33 a.m. This gives us a Scorpio ascendant with the ascendant point in the Nakshatra of Jyeshta. She has the sun in Jyeshta as well, and her moon is in the 10th house in the Nakshatra of Makkah. Jyeshta people value independence, and Susan Collins, as you know, goes to great lengths to pass herself off as an independent Republican, even though she's clearly not. Hey, Brett Kavanaugh. Her moon and Macaw in the tenth house makes sense, considering that the tenth house is the house of the career, and Macaw is linked to family dynasties and political office. plus this birth time puts Saturn, the Lord of her third house, in the twelfth house. The third house rules siblings, and the twelfth house rules prisons and Remember, she's got a brother in prison. Wah-wah. Right now, she's in her Rahu-Mars period, but by election day, she's going to be at the very beginning of her Jupiter dasha. She's got sort of a makeshift dharma-karma-adipati yoga in the third house formed by Mars and Rahu. And it's a decent DKA yoga because it's formed not just from the ascendant, but also from the sun. But as far as yogas go, that's kind of it. When we look at Jupiter, uh, whose dasha she will be in, Uh, just before election day he's retrograde and that gives him strength but he is aspected by mars and saturn who are both malefic and he is sitting in the sixth house which is a bad house jupiter is also a chidra planet for susan collins and that's not great uh, because chidra planets tend to cause problems however jupiter is in a good house in her career amsha so why don't we take a little look at sarah gideon and then we'll make some predictions. Sarah Gideon was born on December 4th, 1971, and we're giving her a birth time of 9.46 a.m. This puts Sagittarius in her ascendant and her ascendant point in the nakshatra of Uttara Ashadha. This seems fitting to me, in part because Uttara Ashadha people are known for sometimes overpowering, suffocating, their spouses, and their children. And it appears, based on a lot of research, uh, including taking a deep dive into the blog of Sarah Gideon's husband's father's sister, Roz Rogoff, who has a little blog from out west somewhere, that Sarah Gideon's husband actually took her surname, which is, you know, swell, no judgment, but it is a somewhat unusual arrangement. So ultra-ashara. Gideon has just entered her Mercury-Jupiter period. Her Mercury is very strong, he's retrograde, and he has what's called directional strength. He's in the same house as the benefic planet Venus. He's aspected by the moon, and so there's no malefic influence on Mercury at all. That's good. Jupiter is in the 12th house, which isn't swell, but he owns two good houses, and he forms a a strong Dharma-Karma-Adipati Yoga with the Sun. Mercury and Jupiter's nakshatras are in a best friend relationship, which is good. You'll remember the best friend nakshatra relationship from Roger Marshall's chart. And in the career amsha, Mercury forms a positive yoga and Jupiter's in a good house. And on top of that, Sarah Gideon right now has a beautiful first house. As I said earlier, she's got Mercury and Venus there, in Sagittarius, the Moon aspects, that that's lovely. And right now, Transit Jupiter is in Sagittarius. So for her, Transit Jupiter is in her first house, along with Mercury, along with Venus, receiving the aspect from the Moon. That's a very good sign. And Jupiter's going to be there at the time of the election as well. Jupiter doesn't leave Sagittarius until later in November. So, for all these reasons, I'm calling this one for the democrats
1: oh thank god fire <laughs> for <me>. yeah.
0: <laughs> all right so let's do a quick recap of the six races that we have talked about in our inaugural senate smackdown it appears that four of them are going to the democrats colorado iowa maine and south carolina and so assuming that the democrats win those races and don't lose any seats that they currently hold they should have enough seats to get the majority however the more the merrier especially if the senate democrats decide they don't want to get rid of the filibuster for some strange reason so stay tuned for part three just to see how many seats at the end of the game the democrats will wind up with that's it for now until next time travis you have been as always an excellent co-host talk to you later
1: All right. Bye-bye.
0: Well, wasn't that fun? Part three, the exciting conclusion of our first ever Smackdown, will be out before you know it. Until then, feel free to email me at astrosplained at gmail.com with any questions or comments you might have regarding the show. If you want to check my math, I will be posting these birth charts as well as my rectification justifications on my website, www.astrosplain.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at astrosplain. Please subscribe to the show on your podcast application of choice. And if you use Apple Podcasts, please leave a rating and a glowing review. That's it for now. I remain, as always, Charles, your friendly neighborhood astrologer. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Astrosplane.